Father God, we are so thankful that you are a great, great God, that you are a mighty champion that, that is undefeated. Lord, even as we, as humanity, even as we struggle with so many problems that are beyond our reach that we just can't solve, that we've thrown money at, we've thrown time at, Lord, we recognize even today our very limitations. And we look to you, God of creation, God of heaven and earth, and we come to you, Lord. May you have your way with us today. Help us to orient ourselves to you, to say, yes, Lord, to you. Because you alone are worthy. You alone deserve the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please have a seat. Uh, thank you so much, worship team. It's so good to gather together and worship. Uh, welcome. My name is Pastor Chris Ong, and I am so thrilled uh, to be speaking here today. I want to say a really, really big thank you uh, to Pastor Agus and, and Lillian and, and Pastor Ruth and your entire leadership team uh, for inviting me here. You know, our churches have known each other for a really long time. Um, and in fact, you know, right now, Pastor August just earlier even sent photos of me speaking to my founding pastor um, and some of our members who used to be here. And it's great to be able to do church together and journey here in Melbourne side by side for the kingdom of God. You know, I, I came over to Australia in 1991 which I imagine is around the same time you guys started. And wow, Melbourne has changed uh, so much. And what I love about churches like yours and ours is that once you've journeyed long enough together, you get to see what the real person is like, what the real church is like. And um, and by the time you're sort of my age, you discover that it's a very rare thing. It's a precious thing to have people who stay faithful instead of just changing constantly all the time. They, they stay faithful in the long journey of the call of God. So I want to honor your leadership. I want to honor your church because you guys have you've stayed the long course and many, many more decades to come. And, and I, I hope to challenge all of our churches to um, actually be very faithful all the way through to the end. You know, um, tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I uh, grew up in Malaysia, and I came over here at 15, actually, um, to study uh, as an overseas student. And then I went to Melbourne Uni, uh, did commerce. Then I stayed on and studied a little bit more, did corporate finance, um, in my postgraduate degree, and then went to work at PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, and then did consulting, did my MBA, and then came in to be a pastor as a kids pastor in our church. Then kids pastor, youth pastor, young adults pastor, executive pastor, and then I went over to Chicago to study to do another master's uh, in theology um, where I picked up, you know, Greek and Hebrew, which I love. I'm such a geek, you know. Um, and then came back and then became the senior pastor at the church. And so, um, 
my journey has been sort of this uh, studious, uh, academic kind of journey that then has been, because I've been in the same church this whole time, then FGA has been like my playing ground to apply whatever theory, test it out at church, just kind of see how it works. Um, a bit of my family, uh, then married, uh, we just celebrated um, our 23rd wedding anniversary, and so my wife, Mayan, uh, thank you, uh, you know, is, uh, she was meant to be here today, actually, but our church is also starting a fast and pray. In fact, it started yesterday with the National Day of Prayer, and today we're uh, calling the whole church to fast and pray, and Pastor Roland, our founding pastor, uh, tapped my wife to, to lead the session on, on fasting today. And so, you know, even though you're the senior pastor's wife, you always listen to the founding pastor when they ask you to do something. So she's over there leading uh, our church right now. Uh, we have three, three kids, uh, Rachel, Nikki, and Grace. And Rachel is 21, Nikki is 18, and Grace is 13. Um, they're all a year older this year. But last year was actually quite a crazy year for us because as you can tell, last year in my family, we had someone turn 21, in the same year someone turned 18, and in the same year someone turned 13, and as good Asian parents, we're like, praise the Lord, we didn't have any parties. <laughs> Zoom party for you. Zoom party for you. I'll fund it. It's okay. It was so good. Not good for our kids. But anyway, uh, that's a little bit about us. You know, we, there was a season even in our life where we had one in primary school, one in high school, and then one in, in university. And so, you know, um, and it just made me appreciate that even in every single stage of life, um, people need the Lord. Every single one of us, whether you are a grandparent, whether you're a uni student or a primary school student, God has this way of exactly knowing where you are and being able to speak into your life. Like we're today going to open up scripture. We're going to read something that takes place thousands and thousands of years ago. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that it would have relevance to us today, but it does because we are more alike than you would imagine. We're more the same than you would imagine. I hope that comes out today because you're going to be reading, you know, about some very, very famous people. These, the early call to disciples, these early disciples. Oh my goodness, there's artwork painted of disciples that are worth millions of dollars. These guys have become like saints, right? Their churches named after them, entire universities, institutions named after them. Right? But at the end of the day, when you read this, when Jesus meets up with them, they're just actually regular people that God calls just like us. So today, the title of my message is, and if you're taking notes, it'll be hopefully a very simple note-taking day for you, because all you need to do is write down the word, yes, Lord, all right? Really simple title for today's message. It's going to be, Yes, Lord. And we're going into uh, uh, a section of passages that are called the called stories. But before we go in there, I want to take us a little bit in a conversation about 
uh, our life today. Because you have to understand, we are reading pretty ancient texts. And the life they used to live, even though we're the same, you know, like flesh and blood, our worlds are quite different. And something has changed today, I think, that has made us a little bit less risk-taking. You know, we're all a little bit more careful and cautious today, right? And I'm going to talk a little bit about, if we go to one slide before, the word metrics. Because metrics kind of defines our life today. We want information, right? I, I, I love study. I did consulting. Oh, my goodness. Metrics is, is all the rage. You want to get data, you want to get data now. You want to look at what the temperature is tomorrow before you go out, before you decide, do I go out to this party? Do I go, you know, to the shops, whatever it is? You want to know the weather. You don't want to just know the weather. You want to get it by the hour, right? Nowadays, we want, uh, we want to know how many people are coming to church on the Sunday. We want to know exactly how many people ticketed. We want to know how many COVID cases. Give me the metrics of how many COVID cases there are in Melbourne because that's going to determine what I do today. If the number is higher than one, we're like, oh my goodness, let's lock it down. You know? <laughs> we want to we know metrics, right? Views. How many views are you getting? How many hits are you getting? Before we answer a call to anything, we want to know. And I'm hoping I bring this up is I'm hoping that as I read today's text, you will see how contrasting and how different it is. Because Jesus, even though he knew a lot of things, he doesn't provide, <laughs> he doesn't provide much information to his disciples when he calls them. And you would think, especially if you are living today, you would think, I need more info. This is too little information for me to make a life-altering decision to follow Jesus Christ for all of my life. But it's not that case. Here's the thing about metrics. Metrics will never be able to tell you what the future holds. That's why all governments around the world today, all the top scientists of the world today are still trying to figure out how do we solve COVID? How do we solve all of these issues that are secondary effects of COVID? We have access to information. We've got real-time data. It's a little bit like, um, it's like Google. You know, nowadays, I, I, I'm a big metrics fan, by the way, so I, I don't want to knock metrics, right? But before I go anywhere, I, I check Google Maps to see what the traffic is like, how long it's going to take, right? Google Maps might tell me it's going to be 30 minutes to get to Praise Center on a Sunday, but it actually does not know the answer to that question because what it's looking at is past data, and if it's good enough, it's using real-time present data. I guarantee you it's not looking at future data, right? It doesn't actually know the future. It's a little bit like when I go to Asia. You know, I, I go to Philippines and Malaysia quite often. I'm sure Indonesia is like this. We will go, I'll, I'll, I'll have to go speak someplace, so I'll, I'll look at Google Maps in Asia, and it'll say one hour to get to the place. 
And they're like, okay, okay, great, one hour. You get in the car, and then traffic jam, right? And you're stuck in the traffic, and Google recalculates. So it's recalculating. You know why it's recalculating? So that it is always accurate. <laughs> so then, by the time I'm stuck in the traffic jam, it's now two hours later, and I'm five minutes away from the venue. It says, you will arrive in five minutes. I'm like, you're... This is useless because it told me it was an hour in the beginning, but it keeps changing its mind. It keeps recalculating. And that's why you, it, it just reminds you that, hey, no matter how much information you can ever get, you can't actually know the future. So at some level, metrics can be misleading. I'm not, I'm not saying don't use information at all, but you have to understand our human limitations and you have to understand the limitations of metrics. I'm not saying for or against. I'm just, these are just real facts. Anybody who lives in Melbourne knows that nobody can tell the weather. <laughs> like, or I'm wearing a jumper. It's meant to be 30 degrees today. Maybe it might hit that. But, you know, it, it will keep changing because metrics can only tell you what was the past and maybe, if it's fast enough, what is the present. Um, and so I feel like because we've had this reliance then on metrics as a society, we now have this tension where before somebody asks, before we give a reply to somebody who asks us a question, like, hey, are you free for lunch tomorrow? Can you come to dinner? You, you want to know answers. We all know this, Right? Like today, we're going to be doing one of the big call passages of Scripture. But before you answer anybody to any question, you have things that you now need to know. You need to know who's going to be there. How many cases are there in Victoria? Do we need to wear a mask? Do we need to not wear a mask? Or the very important Asian question, what is the food <laughs> going to be? At, I need to know, right? Like, don't go, I can't give you my answer yet. And they say, you have like 100 WhatsApp messages back and forth. Are you coming? I'm not coming. Can you make it? Can you not get it? And then, right, because everybody's trying to gather information before they answer. And it is in this context that we get to today's passage. Because you would be so surprised at how decisions were made back then. Let's take a look at it, all right? Because even though we are so different, we have access to so much metrics right now, I want to put it to you, we are not that different. That they required faith back then, and it turns out we require faith with all of our metrics, with all of the things we know. We still can't tell the future. We still we still need faith. And so, let's get right into it. We're in a section that I'm going to call, go to the next slide, the call stories of the gospel. All right, these are the call stories of the gospel. I, I love what you're doing as a church, going through the book of John. Last week, I've been actually, I'm such a metrics person. I, I watched all three of your last ser sermons. Like, oh, what do you guys like? I'm timing your, your messages. Oh, worship went for these, then this, right? And so I'm trying to, I've got to 
follow, stay with the flow, don't go too random, cut my jokes out a little bit, you know, and, and, and keep it on point. So I know that last week you covered the first call story in the book of John, the, the first disciples. This week, we're going to cover the second call story of the gospel, but it's a genre, all right? It's a, it's a kind of thing that takes place in the gospels. Um, what I like about these call stories is that they are grounded in real life. That means how these disciples answered that call affected the world that they were in. It affected it so much that it transformed the entire Roman Empire, but I will put it to you that it affected it so much that we today have the gospel in Australia, right? Because how did it get here? It got here by people answering God's call, right? God would call somebody, they would say, yes, Lord, and then they would go do something, and then again, 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 to the missionary, to a, a, a lay person, to a father, to a mother, to a kid, and it would go, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, until they came here today. So what you need to understand is our responses to God's call, they make a difference. They matter. Our choices and our responses matter. And so today, I hope when you come to church, that you're, it's, you're not just here to hear some kind of a sermon and then go back exactly the same. Because how you respond will make a difference to the future that no metric can tell you about. All right? That, that's the world we live in right now. So let's read, let's read this text. Okay, I'm going to see if I can get it up here. Um, we're going to go one, uh, we're going to go John 1, 43 to 51. The next day, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip. Now, you've heard about um, the, the first two. So this is, this is a new group. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So Philip, he does the standard thing. All right? Jesus comes up to him. It sounds a little bit like the previous call story, but you're about to discover that this call story is different. Things go different with this. So Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So far, going quite like the previous story. Jesus goes up to somebody and says, Hey, you, follow me. And this guy goes, Yep, I'm also going to bring somebody else with me. He goes, Right? He goes, Now, this is where it gets a little bit awkward, especially for Nathaniel. I'm going to read this next part. So then, so he calls out, he says, um, he, he finds Nathaniel, right? Philip finds Nathaniel. And then Nathaniel, after hearing about Jesus, says this, recorded in the Bible for all eternity. This is Nathaniel's, probably his most famous words. In all of Scripture now, Nathanael said to him, 
Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's a bit weird. What is Nathaniel doing here? He's not following the standard call story script. He's, he's supposed to just go, yes, Lord, we're all good. Why is Nathaniel questioning, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's using metrics. He's going, what information do I have about Nazareth? Tell me something about this guy. I don't know anything about this guy, but he's from Nazareth. So what I know from Nazareth, Nazareth, nothing good. Nothing. I can't think of anything good from Nazareth. Okay? He's, he's, he's questioning because all the information that he currently has is not prepping him for the future. Everything that he knows says Nazareth can't change the world. It's so embarrassing for this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm so embarrassing. This is like the guy who writes in the newspaper, don't worry about COVID. I think it's something that was happening far, far away. It won't change anything. And then two years later, the whole world's locked down. Everything's all chaos. And you're thinking, oh no, did I say that? You know, it's like I read this article when I was doing consulting. You know, I read this article about these blockbuster executives. And then, you know, Netflix comes up to them and says, hey, you know, we're doing the streaming thing. Would you buy us for a little bit of money? And the blockbuster video guys who, you know, sell VHS tapes and DVDs in stores go, Netflix. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Netflix? Forget you guys. We have stores, stores that people come, they borrow VHS tapes and we charge them if they're late and they pay us money and then they lose their tape and we charge them more. Go away, Netflix. You are useless because everything they have known couldn't prepare them for what was to come, right? And so that's why Nathaniel says the thing that he says. That's why Nathaniel goes, hey, uh, thanks for telling me about this guy, but, like, it's Nazareth, man. <laughs> okay? And so he says, he just says what he's thinking, um, and it goes in. And Philip said to him, well, you know what? Come. Why don't you just come and see? Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, and Jesus said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Which I, I like to think of it as, Jesus says, oh my goodness, this guy, like he's not even in, interested in impressing me. He just says whatever he's thinking. <laughs> he's, he literally thinks nothing good comes out of Nazareth, and he just says it out, right? So in the, here's an honest, genuine person. And it feels like Jesus, even from the moment he sees Nathaniel, even though Nathaniel, Jesus can see his heart, can see his doubt, can see issues that he's trying to question through, that Jesus is still saying good things about this guy. Why, why is that? And Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I saw you. By the way, 
That's all the information Jesus gives. <laughs> and then now, in what must be like, oh my goodness, the easiest sermon Jesus has ever preached. Because I'm going to have to talk longer than Jesus. Okay? But then Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Immediately he responds. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? And you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What you, you need to see from this is that Jesus only gives him information about what's going to happen after he has responded to the call. All right? After. And we've all looked through this passage all now together. We've looked at it together. There is not much information. I'm pretty sure Jesus knew what he was signing his disciples up for. Jesus even knew what he was signing up for. He knew he was going to die on the cross. All his disciples end up being killed for Jesus, right? Like, Jesus must have known. But look at the information that is given. Jesus is expecting, actually, a step of faith. All right? So... Let's look at these call stories because we are now, we've seen the second call story in the book of John. The first call story, which was preached last week, if you remember, is what I'm going to call the yes call story. It's going to be the standard. It's like the gold standard. All right? So if Jesus calls you and you say, yes, Lord, and then you go and tell a friend about it, that's perfect. That is like the Asian A+. Okay? Today, we're going to talk about the second category of call story, which I'm going to call the no and then yes. Okay? No and then yes. And you might think, you might think that this is terrible, that this, oh, this is like a second class call story. That it's actually, oh, it's a little bit subpar from what the first story was. Because Nathaniel, he questions God himself. He uses his own data and he doubts, right? He's like, oh my goodness, what, what, what good can come out of this? But Jesus actually has this in the Bible. And he explains it for a good reason. Because for Jesus... The first two of these call stories are actually good examples of what we should do. It's pretty, it blows my mind anyway. Let's look at Matthew 21, 28 to 32. Because Jesus, he's trying to explain this, right? And he goes, hey, let's throw out a scenario for you. What do you think? What do you think? So we're all sitting here. Okay, okay, what do you think? A man has two sons, and he goes to his first son. He goes to the first, and he says, son, go work at the vineyard today, all right? I'm your dad. You work for me. You're in my house. You're my son, but especially in that culture back then, right? Son, go work in the vineyard today. 
And the son answers. And this is not a confusing answer. Let me just... The son answers very clearly. I will not. That's like, that's like, that's like you going to your kid going, give me your iPhone before you sleep at night. And your kid going, I will not. And you know it's going to be a 30-minute, like, conversation <laughs> with lots of shouting, you know. I, I can only imagine, I can only imagine what is going on in the mind of this dad, right? If he was like an Asian dad like, like me, it would be like, that's it, man. This is the end of the conversation. You, you've had your chance. It's over. This, you disrespected me. There's no honor. You're in my house. How can you even dare say I will not? Finish. You're finished. Right? But Jesus and our God, would you believe it, hangs on a little bit longer. Gives us a little bit more grace. And so this kid answers so clearly, just like Nathaniel so clearly began with doubt. Yep, I will not. But then this is, it says, but afterwards he changed his mind. And went anyway. But you're like, this is terrible. He's like doing it. He didn't want to do it in the first place. And he's like, after a while, then he does it. That's not A plus. Maybe I'll give you a B, you know. And what is so mind-blowing is that Jesus then tells another story. He talks about that second son, who you'd imagine does the right thing. So he went on to the other son. This man goes on to the other son and he says the same thing. Go look in my vineyard. And this son answered, I go, sir. I go. Oh, so honoring. So much respect. You are the better son. You are so good. New iPhone for you. <laughs> right? Because this guy, he is giving the answer that every dad wants to hear. This guy, you know, if he's serving in church or he's serving God, whatever, this is how you do an answer. I go, sir. But he did not go. He did not go. He's like, I'll follow you, Lord. Yes, I commit my life to you. You are my master. You're my champion, undefeated. I go. You go, I go. And in the end, he doesn't go. So then Jesus asks the crowd, which of the two did the will of the Father? And they say, correctly, the first. You know, Nathaniel ends up having an amazing life following Jesus as a disciple. He's not counted as second class or anything like that. You know why? Because after his doubt, after his questions, whatever all said and done, he followed the Lord. All said and done. This is great news for all of us because every single one of us have sinned and fallen short. Every single, I, I don't know if you're here at church and you're sitting and you're going, oh, you know what? I, I can never be amazing like Pastor Agos. I can't really serve or lead or do anything because, you know, I, I, 
I'm like second class. You would not believe the life that I lived. You would not believe the doubt that I had. And so, but you know, I, I try my best. I serve. I come. You know, but it's, a, it's number two. It's second class. I'm not like the first story of the person who immediately says yes. That's why it says, if you read to the next passage, passage uh, the next verses, it says, And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will go into the kingdom of God before you. He's saying this to the religious people. Why does he say that? Because there are people, there's a category of people that Jesus calls, and actually their first response is no, or their first response is sin, or their first response is like the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they go far away from God. But they eventually say yes. And as far as Jesus is concerned, it doesn't matter how you've gotten there, actually. It's that you end up saying yes, Lord. Okay? So, um, and then it goes, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. They believed him. Um, and even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your mind and believe him. So he's scolding the religious people, all right? You need to know there's also a final category of call stories. This is not the not good one. The third category is people who just say no to Jesus. And, and this, it, you wouldn't believe it, it actually exists in the Gospels, all right? Um, you can see in Luke 9, 57 to 62. Uh, let's just read it. Uh, as you were going along the road, someone um, said to him, Jesus, I don't know if this sounds familiar. I'll go, yes. I will go wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, I can tell you now, because I have studied this passage, and we can look forward, that this does not end well for the person who Jesus is calling, even though it doesn't say that here. You know why? Because we go to the next story, which is the verse next to it. And to another, he said, follow me. Oh, great. Two cold stories side by side. What's, what's Jesus trying to say here? Right? Follow me. And he said, Lord, yeah, let me first go and bury my father which would be his duty to do. Let me go and do my own duties first. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, why don't you go and proclaim the kingdom of God? And again, we don't know what this person is going to do. But we have a clue. Because Jesus tells a third, um, John writes a third story in this set. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Hey, family's important. I gotta deal with my family things. Seems reasonable. And now Jesus summarizes the whole three of what I'm gonna call the no response. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. He scolds them all. Why is that? That's because it doesn't matter what you say initially. Whether you volunteer, whether you say, yeah, me, let's go. If you put your hand on the plow, when it comes time to push, when it comes time to do the work, when it comes time to live out your discipleship and you like look back, you didn't say, yes, Lord. 
you're not responding to God's call. So he's very, very clear. If you read the Gospels, you'll see that he widens the category for you to say yes. You could say yes immediately, fine. Or you could say yes after thinking about it. But he specifically creates a category where you can say no, all right? And there's varied reasons. It's not just the ones in Luke, right? There, there are um, the Pharisees that say no. There's even the rich young ruler who will say no. So there's many call stories where Jesus calls, and the answer from the person is, oh, man, sorry, I can't do it. Jesus, we are at crossroads today. We are. At every moment of our lives, we are at crossroads. Today, the message is, yes, Lord, right? You are going to leave here today, and you are going to say yes to a lot of things. We're like yes people. Yes to lunch, yes to the invitation, yes to the Netflix movie, yes to this, yes to this, right? Um, I want you to think today about, would you say yes to the Lord? Because he's a better yes than most of the other yeses we would do after today's service. Right? Um, what does it mean then to say, yes, Lord? You know, it, it requires us to go, we are not God. We are not the master of our life. I, my own knowledge, my metrics, my information, everything that I can gather on is only the past or at best real-time present and we are not God. You're God. So I will submit to you. I'll go, yes, Lord, you take a step of faith. But many of us, many of us, we only say yes to God's request after he has answered a hundred of our questions. We want to know. We are metrics-oriented. God, I'll say yes to you. I'll follow you. But will my children, you know, get an A? Will, will, I, will, I, will, I, will it go well for me in life? You know, I will only say yes to you, Lord, if uh, you don't send me to Africa, you don't send me to, I want to go to the Bahamas for a missionary work. Then I will say yes to you. Whatever the thing is, right? We, we want to know before we say yes. But the, the example in this story actually is that God requires us, even if we have to work through our doubts, God requires us to say yes in faith. So I want to end, actually, with this passage in 2 Timothy 1, 8-9, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Let's read this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, this is Paul writing, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Why did I read this passage out? I want to see this underlined part. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Because maybe you're sitting in here in service, and you're thinking, Good thing God didn't call me. I'm so glad he called Pastor Agus and Pastor Agus said, yes, Lord. Oh, I'm so glad that he called all of these disciples 
and they get to say, yes, Lord, and I hope my children say, yes, Lord, I hope my wife says, yes, Lord, whatever the thing is, but I'm, God hasn't called me. He certainly doesn't have a holy calling for me. But here's the scripture written to the church that we are saved and that all of us have a holy calling. That means, unfortunately for you right now, or fortunately, or fortunately, right now, God is calling you. That you already have a calling. The question is, how will you respond to God's call? You know, and this is not about being a pastor or a minister. You know that word calling? Um, the call, the voice, vocal? is actually how we get the word vocation. I don't know if you, if you know this. The word vocation comes from the word calling. That means it could even be the using of your vocation for the kingdom of God. It could even be your calling could be the discipling of your family at home. It could be the reaching out to the people that God has placed around you. What is your holy calling today? It could be the gift that God has given you. Right? And maybe you're, you're one of these in the, that first son category. And you have thought, oh, I've been hesitating. I've been grappling with it. I've been saying no. I've been umming and ahhing. I've got my doubts. But I want to challenge you today that it's still not too late for you to change your mind and say, I hear you, Lord God. I hear you. I receive your calling. And your final answer can actually still be, yes, Lord. I, I, and that's a, real, that's a real honest challenge to all of you. I know last year, COVID year, we've all sort of taken a break from many things. And we're all a little bit more fearful. We're a little bit more careful in things. And so maybe you've stepped out of some volunteering. Maybe you've, stepped, you've taken a step back from reaching out to your friends. You've taken a step back from a bunch of things, right? And you think, oh, my spiritual life has just cooled down. You know what? It's not over yet. God is still this patient father that is waiting, wondering what your response would be. And if you were to right now, today, Say yes, Lord. If right now, as we do this song, this final song, if you were today, go, God, what is my holy calling? What are you calling me for? And if you today were to change and say, I will follow you, you're A+. Plus. That's it. You're in right there with the top of the disciples. You're in right there because you're following your creator and your master. And you will ride on his victory his championship you will join in with this master story that God has for his kingdom and the redemption of the whole world so that's the challenge today what would you respond to